Well, we have a rare gift today of having our children join us in the service, and I would really like us to take as much advantage of that as we can. So don't do anything yet, but think to yourself who you would like to have discussion with during the service today. I would really love if we could get some kids spread around into our discussion group so that we can share wisdom with each other. What I'm going to do is read today's passage. And as we're reading, you might be thinking about, hmm, who might I want to share my discussion with? We can have families break into parts, if you would like, or you can stay where you are, or you can find someone who you don't normally talk with that much. I think that would be great. Uh, that's a really good way to share wisdom is to, to meet with those that we don't normally converse with. So just keep that in, your ba- in the back of your mind. I'll dismiss you to go relocate in a second. But first, we're going to do our reading for our, our sermon today. And that comes from Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. Uh, that is found on page 984 of your pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow along. So I know we have a few things going on in our heads right now, but if you can multitask and, and follow along and think of where you would like to sit later, that'd be great. All right, so verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me. You who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger or needing clothes, or sick or in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Today we're going to be talking 
about what it means to truly serve with the love of God in our hearts. And it's that topic of discussion that we'll be uh, addressing in our, our groups. The question is this, what do you and your family do as service to others? When have you served? How did that feel? What was it like? Talk about times that you have served others. Whatever strikes your heart. Let's take one minute to relocate into our, dis into our discussion groups. I don't want to see everyone sitting in the same places. I think it's time to mix it up. So one minute starting now, go find other people to sit by. All right, it sounds like our discussions are starting to dwindle down a little bit. Let's take 30 more seconds to finish up our thoughts. Okay, let's bring this back together. So today, as I already said, we are going to be talking about service, serving with God's love. And that's kind of a fun thing to talk about this year, this time of the year, um, because it's, it's the holidays and, I don't know, everyone feels a little bit more open to serving during the holidays, right? But before we get to that topic, there's something else we have to address, uh, and it's a lot more unpleasant, and that's the sheep and the goats. That comes first, doesn't it? That opens our discussion today, and it's uncomfortable. Because the sheep go on to eternal life, and the goats are separated from life, and they go on to eternal fire. And nobody likes to address that. But it's the reality and we cannot separate these two topics. The, the whole discussion is intermingled. It's those who served Christ and who served the least of these go on to eternal life, and those who didn't, don't. And yet, that sounds an awful lot like a discussion of faith versus works. We are taught over and over and over again that our salvation depends on faith. That means that there's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. It was everything that Christ did. He died on the cross for us. Out of pure mercy, out of pure love, of pure goodness of God, 
nothing we can do or earn. We're taught this, and I believe this. So then how do we find ourselves in this passage where Jesus himself says, it is your works that this depends on? That's really confusing. And I think it's important to note that it's not just the works. So think about this. One chapter before all of this starts, Jesus talks to his disciples about the end times. There's going to be suffering, but then the Son of Man will come on clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send his angels to gather the elect, and then takes us, all of that takes us up to today's passage, where in 2534, it says that the Son of Man has arrived and his angels have recognized this man as the king, the king of kings now seated on his throne. And it's under this revealed identity that all people from all nations recognize his awesome power and authority to sort the people. And yet, at the same time, he also takes the identity of a shepherd calling his sheep. Those who are blessed by the Father are set to inherit God's kingdom And this sounds kind of familiar. Those who are blessed by the Father will inherit the kingdom of God. It's a little bit reminiscent of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the sheep, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Except that when we read through the Beatitudes, there's always a description and an attribute of the one who's blessed. So who are the blessed sheep in this case? Whatever the quality, it's imperative that we find out because that quality is what separates those sheep from the goats. It's the difference between partaking in this amazing inheritance and not. Well, we don't need to wait long for the answer. The sheep are the ones who have taken care of the hungry, the sick, the naked, the thirsty, the lonely, the imprisoned, And yet, here we are again, that's works. And we know that our salvation has been strictly gifted to us. We know that no matter what we do, we cannot buy or win our salvation. Jesus has done the work. So what are we meant to think? The answer is rather simple. It's a matter of the heart. In order to have faith in Christ... Our hearts must be accepting of his leadership, his goodness, his ways, even the dwelling of the Holy Spirit himself within us. Our hearts have to be capable of doing that. Our actions are not going to win us bonus points, but our actions are a reflection of those same hearts. So those who are truly faithful have hearts which reflect Christ. Those who say they are faithful may fool us with words, but their hearts and the actions that they produce tell the real story. And God knows the truth of the heart, and he cannot be fooled. Think about countless other scriptures that we've heard about God himself. God is love. 
If you do not love, you do not know God. That means if, if you do not have a heart that is capable of producing this kind of love, a heart that is capable of serving those who are hungry, those who are thirsty, those who are sick, genuinely, then you must not know God at all, because God is love. And if you know God, then you know his heart for the poor. You know his heart for the broken and the hurt. And if you know God and you are filled with God's love, then you cannot look at someone who's hurting and then turn around and do nothing. And so there it is. We do not, we do not win our salvation. And yet the sheeps, the sheep are the ones who have loved, is not works. It's just a matter of what God has done in your heart. Now, Isaiah summed up the whole Old Testament in this. It is not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and, and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with pointing the finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry, and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your, your night will become like noonday. Then the Lord will always guide you. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and will strengthen your fame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. That's from Isaiah 58. So Jesus isn't spouting brand new found ideas. He's not pulling this from nowhere. This has always been the case. God's heart has always been a heart filled with love for those who are hurting and oppressed. This is nothing new. And yet the systems had become corrupt. And some people made a great show of giving money and offerings to the poor. And also, they wouldn't really want to be seen caring for some despised members of society. There are certain members of society it's okay to care for, and there are others that we'd really rather not be seen associating with. And this, this was the climate then, and it's the climate now. And so Jesus says, no, Whoever loves the least of these has the love of Christ in their heart. And Jesus calls attention to all of these whisperings of scripture throughout history. All of the whisperings of, of God's love for the broken and the hurting and the oppressed. And he says, you who served the least of these has served with the love of Christ. Now, the least of these refers to people whom society has turned their back on. 
Sometimes they're the people who have done bad things, and so we don't want to associate with them. But sometimes they're the vulnerable and the marginalized. They're trapped in the worst of life situations, and it is these to whom Jesus says we have a responsibility toward. And if we deny that, then we deny God himself who is love. We deny Christ as king, and we deny the kingdom of heaven. There's no way to avoid the fact that Jesus teaches here that our heart and service toward the poor and marginalized also reflect our service toward he himself. That is a truth we cannot move forward in our discussion without. And that's the hard part of this. Now I think for us, maybe the easy part of this is serving itself. When you were in your groups, did any of you talk about how it felt to serve? How many of you talked about how it felt when you served? Can I have a raise of hands? Okay. Can someone shout out some feelings about how it feels to serve? You feel glad. Anyone else? Good. Does anyone feel bad when they serve? I see head shaking. Yeah, no, no one really says, ah, oh, I went to serve today and I just feel horrible about it. No one says that. Well, Jesus is calling attention to that we need to serve the least of these. Maybe that does feel a little bad. Because maybe society doesn't want us to serve some certain people or in certain ways. Maybe loving with the love of Christ is going to be hard. But here's the other part of today. Loving with the love of Christ is not something we can turn on and off. Even loving the least of these. It's not something we can just say, right now during the Thanksgiving to Christmas season, I am going to love every person I come across, and I'm going to love as Jesus loved, love everyone and serve everyone, and then come New Year's say, all right, I have another 11 months where I can rest. That's not the case. This is meant to be an ingrained part of our lifestyle, and we can tell because of the kind of sneaky way this comes about. None of the people, whether they were sheep or goat, noticed when they were serving or not serving Jesus. They said, when did we see you hungry? We don't remember that. It wasn't a big shocking event. It wasn't something that grabbed our attention. It must have been part of just our everyday mundane activities. So if your heart is truly aligned with Christ, then the love of God is going to be pouring through you all the time. It's going to be part of your lifestyle, even though it's something we need to work on and grow in. But it's, it's going to be something that you're used to. It's not going to be something you do once a year, and perhaps that may be a difference. Perhaps the goats love to serve, to serve. Perhaps the goats 
did serve the poor and, and, and needy and hungry and helpless. But where was their heart when they did it like that? Were they serving as part of a big, grand um, act so that other people would see it? Were they serving because they were told they had to? The sheep were the ones whose lifestyle was serving the oppressed and the needy and the hungry and the hurt. How do we get to the point where that is our lifestyle? How do we get to the point where we're not just serving once in a while and we're not serving just because it makes us feel good because sometimes serving won't make us feel good. I remember Jim's story today. The little girl who was giving her toys away really had to think about it. At first she thought, yes, I'm going to give these away, but then she started to think, oh, would that hurt others around me if I gave away the toys they gave me? And she later had to think, oh, do I really want to do this? She had to make important decisions. Serving doesn't always make us feel good right away. How do we get to the point where it's natural to us? I think it's like any other element of our faith walk. We have to practice. It's like a muscle that needs, that needs conditioning, and it, it strengthens as we use it more and more and more. But we don't always just come across opportunities to serve. In fact, if what's hinted at in this passage is correct, then we might not even see it. We might be in conversation with someone and, and not even think about serving. It's in those mundane moments where we're caught serving by accident. How do we get to that point? I have some thoughts, and I hope you have some thoughts also that you can share. But I think the very first, the very first place that we have to start, and this might seem like a, a Sunday school standard answer, but the very first place we have to start is by praying. We need to pray to God for our hearts to be opened. We need to pray to God for opportunity. We need to pray to God that we would have his wisdom and his compassion. We need to pray to God that he would open this up for us, even if that doesn't feel very good. We can also educate ourselves, and this is something that we can do all the time. So we may not be all the time going out onto the streets and serving the poor, and we may not be missionaries who are on the field in a foreign country every day of their lives, but we are always servants, and so educating yourself is something that you can do every day. I don't know how many books there are out there on serving. I can never even attempt to guess. But I do like a couple. I like Walking with the Poor, and I like When Helping Hurts. I think some of you can probably come up with some good ones, too. Reading about God's world, exploring God's world, finding out where needs are, and learning about how to meet those needs, that's something we can do every day that's going to expand our minds and also 
it's going to be weighing on our hearts. So as we're praying and we're educating ourselves, our understanding of this world grows. And when that happens, if we're, if we're truly faithful followers of Christ, then our hearts are filled with his love. So as we pray and educate ourselves, our compassion is going to be expanded also. What else can we do? We can find ministry partners, and I think that goes along with educating yourself. I, now I'm going to do a little plug here. I really enjoyed volunteering with Covenant World Relief for a few years, um, and I, I think that their model is a lot like some other very good ministries that are out there. And just like the books, there are countless ministries who serve the poor, the needy, the oppressed, the hurting. So Covenant World Relief is great because they put blogs out there and every quarter they send out newsletters and they keep us very updated with stories and information about how their ministries are going. A lot of ministries do this. If you keep updated on what ministries are doing, you're going to keep updated also on the needs of those around us. It's just one more avenue of educating ourselves. And that also grows the compassion in your heart when you're reading about, about others. It's like you're connecting to the world around you in a slightly different way. Here's another thing you can do to constantly be um, activating this service muscle. You can stand up for what is right you can be a voice for the voiceless. You can do that from right where you sit. When you see something that is wrong, you can speak up. When you read and educate yourself on the ministries and, and the hurting in this world, you can say something about it. That grows you even more. It makes yourself even more aware to what's going on in this hurting world. And the last one I really hope is the most obvious. Just love as Christ has intended. And your eyes are going to be open to what is hurting around you. If you're asking God to show you this world through his eyes, then you're going to love more and more. And I think that's the challenge today, is I want us to love until it hurts a little bit. I want us to love until it hurts a lot, actually. But can we do that? Can we, can we approach serving others from the attitude that we're going to love until it hurts? Because I think that's what we really need to do. And love is ultimately what's going to help us to incorporate this, this whole lifestyle of serving. We're going to end very soon. Before we do, I want another quick discussion. How can you and your family develop a lifestyle of serving? I would take about one minute in your groups to discuss how can you or your family <laughs> we're, we're a little short <laughs> how can you or your family uh, work on a lifestyle of service and break
All right, let's start to draw it back together. We who wish to share in the inheritance of the kingdom must also share the responsibility to every one of God's children. So as we walk out these doors today, maybe we be challenged to love until it hurts as Christ has loved and serve without abandon. Let's pray. Father, your church awaits the day when the Son of Man will come in his glory and the angels with him and he will sit on his royal throne. But until that day, until we are received as your blessed people, keep us safe in your care. Make us be merciful. Help us to serve your son now as he comes to us through those in need. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen.